I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I have been studying something for years and years, and I begin to see I've been preaching predestination all my life, but I keep seeing things about it. I'm going to give you a kind of a quick review of what I taught last time. And I have found out some things about predestination. God has predestined us to conform to the image of Christ. The Bible says in Romans 8 and 29, 8 and 29, the Bible says, For whom? For that's very important, the word for. For whom he did foreknow. Foreknow. Now this doesn't mean that God just has a foreknowledge of events. It says whom. Whom is the word who's? O-U-S. There's an H sound, breathing sound in front of that. Who's? It's masculine gender. So it's a people. It's plural. All the people that he foreknew. Foreknow is the word prognosco, P-R-O-G-I-N-O-S-K-O. That comes from two words, pro, which is our word pre. It means before. And gnosko, G-I-N-O-S-K-O. Gnosko is a form of gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, which is the word knowledge. But it's not merely knowing somebody, it's foreknowing them. And this word gnosko means to know intimately. Know intimately or to have a relationship with. relationship whom he did foreknow the Bible says over there in Matthew the 7th chapter he's going to say to those on his left hand depart from ye that work iniquity I never knew you that word knew is the same word as gnosko I never had any relationship with you. I never knew you. So when people say, well, God, <clears throat> God's predestined everybody. When you define the word no, and you go over there to the seventh chapter of Matthew, he says, I never knew you on my left hand. Well, who he foreknew, he also did predestinate. Predestinate is an action verb. Action verbs have to have a have to have a direct object. It receives the action of that verb. Predestinate being a verb has to have a direct object. The direct object has to be a noun. A noun is a person, place, or thing. If I said Jim through 
there's a there's an action verb the ball ball receives the action of the verb that Jim threw so that's called a direct object so you have to have a direct object to receive the action of the verb predestinate and the noun is and it doesn't look like a noun it looks like something else but the noun is to be conformed to be conformed boy this is such an important word sumorphos s-u-m-m-o-r P-H-O-S. Sumorphos comes from sum and morphe, M-O-R-P-H-E. Morphe, I learned that word in a biology class in high school about 1953 in the 10th grade. Mr. Silverberg was my biology teacher. He taught me a lot of things. And he came up with we were going to watch the metamorphosis, M-E-T-A-M-O-R-P-H-E-S-I-S, metamorphosis of a grasshopper. That is the stages that it goes through in developing the grasshopper way. Or the grasshopper shape comes from morphe, meaning shape. That's a Greek word. And meta, that's a Greek word. It means with or to accompany. What accompanies the grasshopper in its development? I learned that in the 10th grade, 1953. I don't know why I remember it, but I do remember a lot of things I learned. And then, so, to be conformed is a, it doesn't look like a noun, but it is. It's a verbal noun. V-R-B-A-L. Noun. It's a verbal noun. That's called an infinitive. I-N-F-I-N-I-T-I-V-E. An infinitive comes from infinite. I-N-F-I-N-A. Infinite. T-E. Infinite. You go out on a clear night and you look into the sky and you say it's infinite, never stops. That's what infinite means. There's a, there's a symbol in, in mathematics when you see this symbol. It looks like a eight land on its side. They call that infinity. And that's what this, that means it goes on forever. So once you're conformed, you're never unconformed. And it is a verbal noun, and the verbal noun shows verbal character. It shows an action coming up on a subject. If I said to be means to exist, it is exactly what it means. To exist, conform. After actions are taken up on the people that God foreknew, they are conformed. During that confirmation process, something happens to us. There's an inner and an outer man. The outer man 
as Paul said in Romans 7.25, that the outer man serves the law of the flesh. The law of the flesh. When you first come to the knowledge of Christ, you have the inner man. The inner man is Christ in you. And that serves the law of God. Law of God. There's two men in every one of us. The outer man and the inner man. Paul said, when I do the things that I don't want to be doing, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in my flesh. Says that all through Romans 7. And then he tells us that he has the inner man and the outer man. That's what conforming us, that's what we're predestined to, to be like the inner man. To be like Christ, the inner man. What God has to do, he has to put us through fire, trials, tribulation, tribulation, persecution, And all of this and much more to get rid of this outer man. When we first come to the knowledge of Christ, mostly what you want to do has to do with the outer man. You have to grow. You have to... Your faith must increase. It increases. I had a young fellow call me. He's about 32. He said, how can I get out of doing my sin? I said, you got to grow older. Got to go through a lot of fire. That's. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. That's just what you have to go through. And God will send fire and trials and tribulation, persecution. People say, will God send evil in our lives? Exactly. Evil comes from evil men that come upon our life. While we're trying to live this outer man, we're hanging around with the wrong people. We're hanging around with the wrong crowd that drinks and cusses and gets out here in the world and tries to be something. And if we get in their way, they start persecuting us until over the years, I like to draw these concentric circles. Over the years, the inner man begins to take over the outer man, and we begin to surrender up to God. Surrender. And some of the words that go with this, this surrendering, are the straight gate and the narrow way. The narrow way. That's really interesting. And along the way, I'm going to talk about the straight gating in. I'm going to talk about the narrow way. Straight is the word stenos. S-T-N-O-S. In the Greek, you'll have a noun. That's a person, place, or thing. A noun is something I learned in about the sixth grade or fifth or something like that. Great teachers said it was a person, place, or thing. Well, this is the noun. That's the thing. It's the straight gate. It's a narrow way. That's a noun. Narrow way. Narrow way. Actually, the narrow it is actually uh, more of a verb, and I'll show you why. A verb. 
narrow is the word stenos. In the Greek, you'll have a noun, and then you'll have a verb form of the noun. The noun, the verb form of stenos is the word stenazo, S-T-E-N-A-Z-O. Anytime you find the word groan in the New Testament Scripture, it is this word, stenazo. It's the verb form of stenos. So anywhere we've got groan, I've noticed that in this ninth chapter of in this eighth chapter of Romans, you've got groan or groaning mentioned several times. He says here, and this is what predestination is about. You cannot teach Romans eight twenty nine for whom he did foreknow we also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son without preaching the verses before it. And if you have grown Grown being a verb form of the straight way, the straight gate. You have grown up here in verse 22. And we know that the whole creation groaneth. Creation doesn't mean everything in nature. It doesn't mean every individual. Creation means something that has consistency. Katesis. K-T-S-I-S. That's the word creation. What about the vessels of wrath fitted for destruction? There's no creation to them. They are in chaos. They're in chaos. Because sin brings them into chaos. And there's no creation in them. In fact, you back up. I'm kind of reviewing what I gave you the other day. You back up to verse 20. For the creature, which is the same basic word as creation... Catesis. For the creation was made subject to vanity. I told you the other day that was a metal taste. It means inutility. It's useful for nothing. It's transientness. It's worthless. So let me put it this way. Adam was made subject to sin, but not willingly. It wasn't his will that is made subject to sin. He was made out of corruption, and God said, Thou shalt not, and the day you do, you'll die. It's talking about Adam. Not willingly, but by reason of him, which is God, who subjected the same Adam in hope to belief in him. And then he says down here in verse 22, for we know that the whole creation, all the elect, groaneth because they're in the straight gate, narrow way. That's why they're groaning. Groan is the verb form of straight. It's the word stenazo. That's this word groan here. The whole creation groaneth. Groaning is something you do when you get together and say, well, I talked to my mother and she doesn't want to believe this. I talked to my sister and she just wanted to fight me on it. That's the groaning that we don't know how to express with our mouth. It's just an ache inside because people won't hear. For we know that the whole creation groaneth. Now that the creation groans together. That word is sustenazo, S-U-S-T-E-N-A-Z-O. 
It's a construction of stenazo and sue. Sue, there's several variations of sue. Soon. Soon. In fact, you saw this word soon on the word to be conformed. Soon. That's the same thing as sue over here. It means together or to blend together. The creation blends together in our groaning. When we get together, we can groan with each other and say, I can't, every time I talk to somebody, they don't want these truths. That's the groaning we do together. And there's nobody that talks about the truth. They don't end up groaning in it because the world doesn't want it. We're not looking to turn goats into sheep. What we're trying to do is find the sheep that have been sheep from the foundation of the world. And they're just lost without Christ. But Jesus said, all that the sheep that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And then he goes on to say here, that in verse 23, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption or that is to say to wit means that is to say the redemption of our physical bodies these physical bodies is what we're groaning in we're not going to have the groaning when we get to go with the lord we're going to have a new body one that can't sin one that can't groan then he says a third time down here in verse 26 Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought while we're groaning, because we know the straight gate is part of our life. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. So the Holy Spirit is in our hearts, and it helps us in our groanings to make whatever kind of intercession that we need because we can't even utter it. We don't even know how to get over this hurt that we're in that people don't want it. And then he gets down here and says, and we know that all this groaning, all this straight gate that we're in and narrow way, we know that it's all for our good. Then he says, for, for is a reverence back to everything that has been said all the way back Previous to this chapter, everything this chapter is talking about is about either the spiritual man or the carnal man. The carnal man is the outward man of the flesh, and the inner man is the spiritual man. I like to go back to verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Carnal, sarkikos, means the fleshly mind. Sarkikos, S-A-R. K-I-K-O-S comes from the word sarx, S-A-R-X, which is the word flesh, the fleshly mind. That's the outer man. Predestination has to do with this inner and outer man. We're going to talk about those inner and outer man again. I haven't exhausted that. You got the inner and the outer man in 2 Corinthians 4. Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, Romans 7 would be kind of the mother chapter to it all. But it talks about put on the 
this inner man put on? How long does it take you to put off this outer man and get this inner man on? It takes a lot of tribulation, a lot of fire, a lot of persecution, a lot of straight gate, a lot of narrow way. Takes all that and a lot more. God has to put you through a lot of fire. I can say that God has put me through so much fire. I'm really committed to the Lord now at my old age. I'll be 83 in a couple of weeks. And I don't want to do the things I used to want to do. The people that used to be angry at me, you don't have to be angry at me anymore because I'm not the man I used to be. There's no need to get upset at me. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt anybody in my family. They, I don't have hardly anybody in my family left that wants to talk to me. I am going to talk to them about truth, but I'm not going to be mean and cutting and abrasive to them. I'm just going to say, well, this is what I live 24 hours a day. I live in truth around the clock. I'm not interested in finding out where you went on vacation or what color wallpaper you put on your wall or what your flowers are in your flower bed. I'm interested in the truth. I'm more interested in talking about the straight gate and the narrow way than anything else now. So when he says, for, I've said this before, for is a subordinate conjunction, subordinate conjunction. Conjunction joins two clauses, either an independent clause and a dependent clause, or two independent clauses. The dependent clause depends on the independent clause to find out what the meaning is. Now, for, for is, is a word that is, he's going to say, I'm going to tell you something that's related to what I just said. If I said, um, I went down and bought a new car for, I had an increase in my pay and I was able to do it and would be a coordinating, would be a coordinating conjunction. For would be a subordinate conjunction. Subordinate means obedient. If the subordinate conjunction says for, it means what's going to be said has to obey what has been said. And what has been said in the previous verses is stenazo, groan. What this has been talking about is the narrow way, the the straight gate. Straight means to squeeze into a narrow opening, and you're pressured on all sides. People pressure us. <clears throat> the only way you'll be pressured when you first come to truth, you can't hardly stand the pressure. It's too heavy. And you have a hard time saying Christmas is pagan. And I tell people now, I've, 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 somebody will come to the house to service something. I say, well, I'm a Bible teacher. I teach things that people don't want to hear. And inevitably they'll say, like what? I said, well, I teach predestination, what it's about. The Bible says, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. I teach other things, too, that people don't hear. Or like what? Well, I teach that Christmas is Christ's mass, it's paganism, it's Roman Catholicism. And I teach that God does not love everybody. Ever heard that before? 
Well, where do you get that? Well, the Bible says God loved Jacob and hated Esau before either were born, before either one had done any good or evil. That's the way I witness to people. I teach them. And they say, well, I, 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 and they usually stutter. And then they come to a place and say, well, that's hard stuff. I say, you're right, it is. If they're elect, let me tell you something. It's not going to offend them. It never does. They've got ears to hear. Don't worry about offending somebody by telling them the truth. But be gentle with them and firm with them. Now, I want to give you some... We've been talking about the straight gate in the narrow way. Narrow is the word... Well, let me erase some of this. I've told you straight. I'll leave that up there. And distress goes along with this. Distress. Distress. Goes with this. And I'll get into that in a minute. Now, the Bible says in Matthew seven thirteen and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate. Enter. Here's the word E-I-S. E-I-S-E-R-C-H-O-M-A-I. You can pronounce that ice or ease, however you want to pronounce it. They'll have it pronounced ice in some of the commentaries. Isarkamai means to enter. That's not an invitation. Enter ye in at the straight gate. Jesus is talking to his apostles. That's in Matthew, the seventh chapter. Now, the reason we know that it's it's an imperative mood. Imperative. He's talking, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. He's only talking to believers in northern Galilee, in northern Galilee, and he's on a little mountain, and he's got him all sitting there listening to him, probably not that steep or something like this. And they're all sitting around while he's up on the top of the mountain and preaching to them. And he's telling them, enter. It comes from ice and ergon. Ergon means to labor. While you are entering, it's going to be labor when you get to the straight, the stenos gate, and you start stenonzo, you start groaning. You start groaning. That's going to be hard. And you get into the narrow way. Once you get into the, the straight gate, there's no turning around. You have to go through the narrow way, narrow thilibo. is the common word. You've got a common word all through the scripture on narrow. I'll give you some of the other words. It comes from the word thalipsis. I said earlier that narrow was actually a verb. It's a verb form of thalipsis, the noun. 
Philipsis is the common word, tribulation. And Paul said in Acts 14.22, and I'll probably read this to you before I get through this teaching. We must, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom of God. In Acts, the 14th chapter, Paul was on his first missionary journey, and he was traveling on this journey. He was traveling. Yeah, I think that was it. I had it. Here's his first journey. He leaves Jerusalem, and here comes up to Antioch, goes down here to what we would call Cyprus, Cyprus, that's the island of Cyprus. And then he went on up here to Pamphylia. This is the state of Pamphylia. Then he went up to Antioch. When he got to Antioch, the Pharisees, they had a synagogue up there. And they ran him out of town. And he goes over here to Iconium. When he's in Iconium, they come to Iconium. It takes at least a week to get over to Iconium. And they're still angry at him because he had preached the resurrection of Jesus in Antioch. They didn't want to hear that, so they ran him and his cohorts out of town. And they came over here to Iconium and told the people to drive him out of there. He comes down to Lystra. And they accept him. They're a bunch of heathens. And they accept him and said, he's a god. He's doing all these miracles. But the same Pharisees come to Iconium down to Lystra and convince those people to take him outside the city and stone him and leave him for dead. And that's when he made the statement, we must through much tribulation. People are going to want to kill us. We must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. That is the noun form of the word narrow. Narrow is the way. Now, this is a path that every believer has to take. You may not suffer as much as another believer, but the one that suffers a lot, God has got them knowing more scripture that they can that they can attack with. Now, I want to show you some things about this. I want to show you the way is narrow. The way. Way was a common word or let me put it this way, the way was a common term for Christians. They said they're following the way or that way. I want us to go over here and look at some of these places on the way. Let's go back to Acts, the ninth chapter, Acts 9. <clears throat> Acts 9, now the word way is the word hodos, H-O-D-O-S, hodos, and you when you look it up in your concordance, it'll say way, highway, road, road, or journey. But when the people outside of truth would say that way, they meant the way of the believing Christians. That's what they meant. Now look here in Acts 9. Acts 9, Paul 
this is where Paul comes, well, he actually comes on the scene a few chapters earlier. But Acts 9 is where he struck down on the Damascus Road. And this is where he's sent up to Damascus by the Pharisees to bring Christians back so they can kill them or actually murder them. Paul said, I was ignorant of what they were doing. I was more zealous of the traditions of my fathers. In verse 1, the Bible says, And Saul breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest. And Let's read a second. The word slaughter is phonos. P-H-O-N-O-S. That word slaughter means murder. Paul said, I murdered the Christians. Nobody has the past history that Paul has, except some serial killer. Paul probably killed hundreds of Christians. Then he says here, and desired of him letters to Damascus in the synagogue that if he found any of this way. Hados. He's talking about the narrow way. If I find any that's going through this narrow way, whether they might, <clears throat> whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem so they could kill them there. Now, look over here in in 927 just to show you the difference in the way this word is used 927 and Paul is <clears throat> let's read 23 through 27 and after that many days this is after Ananias had come to him and he's going to be taken to the Jews at Jerusalem to the disciples or to the apostles and meet with them. After that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill Paul. He has already done a turnaround. He's already been met by Ananias. He's changing his ways. Let me back up to 22. Saul increased the morning strength and founded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that This is the very Christ. All of a sudden, he's taken the other side. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him because he's gone to the other side and he's defending Christ now. But their lying await was known of Saul, and they watched the days, the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night, letting him down by the wall in a basket, trying to escape the Jews. You see, he starts off with tribulation, the narrow way. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Why? He was killing them up to when he went to Damascus, and he struck down on the Damascus road. And believe not that he was a disciple, but Barnabas, who had taken him to meet him, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. 
the Hodos. That's talking about a literal road there. That's not talking about the narrow way. That is where he begins the narrow way, though. And that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. He got up there. He went up there to, to take some of those Christians back to be slaughtered at Jerusalem and he was struck down by Christ and when he was struck down Jesus didn't say would you like to accept me as your personal savior and pray this sinner's prayer God put faith and belief in his heart then let's go here to uh, let's go to Acts 13 8 Paul is on his first journey and he's at the island of Cyprus I've got it where that those white lines go down to Cyprus there. He's at Cyprus, and a man named Elimus, this is in verse 8 of chapter 13, verse 8. But Elimus the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, understood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. There was one of the deputies that I believe his name was on the island of Paphos. He was Sergius Paulus. And when Saul, verse 9, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes upon Elimus and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil. (laughs) Wasn't very nice, was he? Thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And that word ways is the word hodos. The right ways are the narrow ways. Now let's go to, let's go over here to chapter 18 of Acts. Chapter 18 of Acts. And I just want you to see how this word way is used. Chapter 18, Uh, Paul, he's in, well, let me read here in 18, verse 25, 25. And look here, this is, we'll read 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the hodos, the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spake, taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. So he didn't know Jesus. And verse 26, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Aquila and his wife Priscilla had heard they took him into, they took him into them and expanded into him the way of God, the hodos of God more perfectly than just John's baptism. And when he was, when he was disposed to pass into Achaia that's a section of Greece the brethren wrote exhorting the disciples to receive him who when he was come helped them much which had believed through grace so he's in the way of the, he's in the way of being going through trial now look here in 19 and verse 9 
And he's talking here. Well, let me read in verse 8. And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months in the synagogue. This is Paul. Disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. And when diverse or various ones, diverse would be the word in our vernacular, were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way, that odos. They spoke evil of the straight gate and the narrow way before the multitude. Evidently, that was a common term for the Christians, that way. And then he says here, and verse 23, 23. And the same time, there arose no small stir about that way, that hodos. They called the narrow way that the apostles were preaching that way. They said it, sarcasm is the way they said it. And look here in 22. 22, verse 4, 22 and 4. Well, let's read 1 through 4. Men and brethren, this is Paul speaking in the Hebrew tongue from verse 40 of the previous chapter. Hebrew tongue, the word tongue is glossa, means foreign language. Because he's in a place where they don't speak, where they don't speak in all these different languages. Men and brethren and fathers, this is Paul speaking. He has been taken by, he's been taken away from the Jews by the Roman soldiers. Men and brethren and fathers, hear ye my defense which I now make unto you. And when they had heard that he spake in the Hebrew language, the dialect, the word is glossa. It means the glossa of the Greek, of the Greek language. To them they kept the more silence than he saith. Paul said, I am verily a man which am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in the city of the feet of Gamaliel, an English uh, Greek teacher, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, and yet are these, yet as ye are all this day. I persecuted the way. He calls the the way that they're walking the narrow way. He said, I persecuted that way. Everybody walking in it. Unto the death. I killed people that were walking in the narrow way. You say, Jim, do I have to? Yeah. What do you mean kill me? Are they going to kill me? They will put you to death. Death in the Greek is Thanos, T-H-A-N-A-T-O-S. That means separation, doesn't mean annihilation. People will persecute you unto the death by separating from you. When you tell them Christmas is pagan, Easter is pagan, God doesn't love everybody, and predestination is true, and God doesn't love everybody, you tell them that, and they'll start persecuting you unto the death. 
now he says I persecuted this way unto the death binding and delivering and to prisons both men and women as also the high priest doth bear me witness and all the all the estate of the elders from whom also I received letters unto the brethren and went to Damascus to bring them which were there bound in Jerusalem to be punished unto death. Paul was killing Christians is what he was doing. That was his job. Now look at 24 and 14. Paul will tell you what he did. 24 and 14. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which the Jews called heresy, they I've been called a heretic. I've been called all kinds of names. Jim Brown has uh, become a cult, a big Baptist preacher in this town, got in his pulpit and said, Jim Brown has now gone a cult. Larry, you're an idiot. You stupid man. If you don't repent, you'll die and go to hell with a whole bunch of Baptist preachers. And then he goes on to say in 24.14, he said, I confess unto thee that after the way which I they call heresy, so worship I. That's what I worship now. It's what I used to call heresy. Heresy is the word heresis, H-A-I-R-E, H-A-I-R-E-S-I-S. Heresis comes from heretikos, H-A-I-R-H-A-I-R-T-I-K-O-S. That's our word heretic. means to choose for oneself. What heresy is is free will. You choose for yourself, you're a heretic. That's what it means. And the Pharisees were calling Paul a heretic. What verse was I in? Fourteen. Fourteen. So worship I, the God of my fathers. I'm worshiping Jehovah now, and you Pharisees claim to be, and you're not. Your father's not Abraham, he said. He said, your father's the devil, and you his works you will do. Believing all things which are written in the law and the prophets, and I have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust. Now, I want to go to another verse. Go to 22. Paul goes before a governor. His name is Felix. F-E-L-I-X. Felix wasn't a cat. He was a Roman governor. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, evidently Felix had been learning about the way of the Christians for some time. He deferred them and said, When Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matters. So he sends Paul over to Agrippa. And he comes before Agrippa. 
in the 26th chapter. Agrippa is another Herod that's a governor. And we go to 25 and 3. 25 and 3. I'm just showing you all of these places where they've got the way. Some some refers to a road or a path and some when they hated that way they're talking about the narrow way and the straight gate and then in 25 and 3 25 and 3 he's talking to Festus another governor Festus is the one you've heard me teach on it that said Paul you're beside yourself. You're crazy. And Paul said, I'm not crazy most. I'm not mad most noble Festus. I preach the word of truth with soberness. And he says that over here in the 26th chapter. 26th chapter. And he talks to Agrippa in the first part of this chapter. And he's turned over to Festus, another governor. In verse 24 of chapter 26. And he thus spake for himself. Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you're beside yourself. You're crazy. Beside thyself meant meant crazy. You're beside thyself. And then he says, Much learning doth make thee mad. You're out of your mind, Paul. And then Paul said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. He said, I'm not crazy. Speak forth is the same word as over in. It's the word utterance in the second chapter of. uh, Let's go back and look at that second chapter. It's the same exact word. Apophathengomai in the second chapter when we'll look at it second chapter and he says here uh, when the Bible says uh, that they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance in the fourth verse of the second chapter. It's the same exact word. Word is 14th verse of the second chapter. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said, said is apophathangomai, A-P-O-P-H-T-H-E-G-G-O-M-A-I. It means to speak clearly so you can be easily understood. Easily understood. That's the same word that Paul used when he said, I speak forth, apophathangomai, the words of truth and soberness. So he said, I'm not drunk and I'm not crazy. So when they accused Peter of being crazy or drunk, in that second chapter of Acts, Paul said, this is not drunkenness, this is, I'm speaking forth the truth with soberness. Now, look here in 26, 13. This is where Paul is talking to Agrippa, one of the Herods. 
at midday, O king, I saw the way. I saw in the road I was on, the hodos, a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining around me and them that journeyed with me. So he uses the way here to describe the road they were on. Then, look at Romans. Romans 9. What I'm doing is I'm giving you all a whole bunch of places this word way. And you notice there's the Pharisees are speaking evil of that way. That way is something. That's like some people will say, are you still listening to that Jim Brown? That way. Yeah. That's why I got a t-shirt that says, uh, what does it say on the back of it? That way. Oh, no, I am that Jim Brown. (laughs) I am that Jim Brown. Because I preach that way. Look at Romans 9, 17. 9, 17. For for the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Well, that wasn't a verse. Well, I got way in there somewhere. Maybe it was seven. I'll go to the next one. Go to 11.33. 11.33. Uh, not 11.33. 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgment and his ways, his hodos, finding out. You cannot find out the way of God. No one can find out his way. If it's not put into your heart, you will never know it. It has to be. There's none that seeketh after God. Nobody seeks the way of the Lord. Nobody seeks to go and be tortured in the in the narrow way and in and, and the straight gate. Nobody wants that. God has to put in your heart to want that at any cost. I want the way of the Lord. I don't care what it costs me. If somebody kills me, I'll say, shoot straight when you shoot. If you're going to shoot me for talking about predestination and Christmas is pagan and God doesn't love everybody, let me put a bullseye on my head. I don't want to be like a vegetable uh, just scrabbling in a bed like David did and just and not know who I am. Shoot straight and get me right between the eyes. Because if you want to kill me, I'm going to die in the next 10 years anyway. I'll be 83 soon. I don't expect to live to be 93. If I do, I'm going to be hobbling around here on a walker. I will preach if I'm 93. I don't care if I have to read the Bible and give you some Greek words. I'll be teaching. But I don't know that I'll live that long. 
And people say, you feeling sorry for yourself? No, I look forward to going and be with the Lord. That's the thing I live for. I want to stay for the church. I want to stay for my wife, Mary, and my son, Eric, and my grandkids and my daughter-in-law because they believe the truth. And I want to stay here for you, for the people that believe God because there's not hardly anybody else out there that's saying the things that I'm saying. So his ways are past finding out. And you look at verse 32. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all the church. Now, look here in 1 Corinthians 4. I'm going to give you, give you a whole bunch of these words away. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 4. Look at verse 17. He's talking about being defamed for Christ and being the filth of the world. We are the, let me read that to you. Uh, let me read verse 13. Being defamed, we entreat, we comfort you. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you what people are going to do to you. That's all I'm doing is warning people in grace and truth. Don't expect the world to accept you. Only a few will accept what I'm teaching here. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have gotten you, begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent you, Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, my odos, which be in Christ. That's the narrow way and the straight gate. As I teach Everywhere in every church. And look here in, in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Paul talks about this often. 12th chapter. And after he's talking about all the gifts of the Spirit in the previous verses, he says here in verse 31, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yes, I showed you a more excellent hodos. What he's doing is introducing the next chapter. Excellent is the word hooperbolin, hooperbolin, H-U-P-E-R-B-O-L-E-N. And hooperbolin is a form of hooper, bole. Hooper means under, and bole comes from ball. It means to throw down under. Now, then he says, here is the more excellent, the more excellent way 
is the next chapter, which is agape. He says, here's, here's the excellent way. He just, he just got through saying in that chapter, he said, are all, are all apostles? And the answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all have the gifts of miracles? No. The gift of healings? No. The governments, diversities of tongues? No. Are all apostles? This is verse 29. No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Have all the gifts of healing or tongues or interpretations? No. But then he says, I show you a more excellent odos. And then he goes into agape. Agape. And that is the way. That's the narrow way because agape is walking in God's commandments. Walk in commandments. Second John 6. This is love. This is agape. That we walk after his commandments. When you walk after his commandments, you're going to get into the narrow. You're going to, first of all, enter ye in at the straight gate. That's one of God's commandments. Enter. I circle my. Enter. That's an imperative command. That's a commandment. Agape is a commandment of God. All all the law is fulfilled in one word even in this thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself love is agape in that verse Galatians 5 and 14 agape agape was a was a relationship that kings had for their subjects the king gave his 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 people's laws and they willingly walked in them so when king gives you a law, that's agape. This is agape. This is love that we walk after his commandments. So, so the more excellent way is the commandments of God when he commands us to enter the straight gate and go into the narrow way, the tribulation way. That's something that every true believer has to get involved in. But you won't get fully involved in it till you study Bible, till you learn more and more, till you get older. Mary, my wife, reads the Bible every day. I'll go in, she'll say, I read six chapters a day, I read nine chapters a day. She reads slow. She wants to talk about all those things she's learning, and it's doing nothing but making her stronger. When you learn, she says, I read this in Psalms, and I just can't believe what it said. It's just unbelievable. She's learned that the Word of God will come alive in her heart. It'll come alive in everybody's heart that reads it. But you got to read it slow and pay attention to what it's saying. You can't read through it fast. We had a guy that come here one time. He said, well, I read through Leviticus last week. I'm going to read Numbers this week. How can you do that in a week? I can't. You're reading 100 miles an hour, and you're not paying any attention to what, what it's saying. You can't learn that way. That's kind of like speed reading an algebra book, and you never had it before. There's no such thing. Now, 
a more excellent way and he goes through the excellent way it's more excellent than being an apostle a teacher a preacher having the gifts of healing having the gift of tongues this is the more excellent way and he talks about the excellent way charity suffers long it puts up with a lot charity is kind it meets a need charity envieth not this is verse 4 of chapter 13 this is more this is the what he is saying the things that charity does is the narrow way that's what it is he said the more excellent way there's not two ways there's not three ways there's two ways there's the narrow way and the broad way the narrow way is the excellent way and this chapter will tell you what the narrow way does it vaunteth not itself it doesn't lift itself up it verse 5 doth not behave itself unseemly it behaves itself and looks correctly seeketh not her own she looks after the things of others is not easily provoked you don't get upset easily when you have when you're walking in the agape thinketh no evil what's well, a hard thing to give up isn't it rejoiceth not with iniquity iniquity anomia a n o m i a it comes from the word nomos that's the greek word law and the alpha primitive no law of god you cannot run around with people that do not abide in christ and not all obedient to the law it beareth all all the bad things that comes along it believes all things that's truth hopeth all things that's our hope endureth all things charity never fails that's the more excellent hodos Charity is the whole dose. Now, let me get on with this. He says in in First Thessalonians three eleven, First Thessalonians. Sometimes Paul stops talking about a subject till later in in the Bible. First Thessalonians three. Here's that word again, 3.11. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our narrow way unto you. That's full of tribulation. You've got to realize God's going to conquer everybody that's in the narrow way that's against us. Look at Hebrews 3. These are all about the way. And there's only one way that's true. That's the narrow way. 3. Hebrews 3 and verse 10. 3 and 10. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation that was in the wilderness that murmured against me 
and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my hodos. And then he says in Hebrews 9, Hebrews 9 and verse 8. Boy, this is heavy here. The Holy Ghost this signifying that the way into the Holy of Holies was not yet made known or made manifest while as the first tabernacle was yet standing. The Hodos into the way. I've brought this out many times before. The true way into the holiest is the narrow way. On the tenth day of the seventh month, the high priest, Aaron, or one of his sons, would go to this altar, take the blood of a goat from off this altar, carry it into the, through the holy place. This is the holy place. This is the holy of holies. This is the house of God. And the Ark of the Covenant here, the candlesticks here, the table of showbread here, and the altar of incense here, and the brazen sea here. And he would take the blood in. The way into the holiest, the holy of holies, was not made known while this was standing. This had to be blotted out. And he tells you, in the following chapter what the way into the holiest was. Chapter 10, chapter 10, verse verse 18. Now we're remission. Well, let's read verse 16 down through, eight, down through uh, 20. 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. In the Old Testament, the law was kept inside the Ark of the Covenant. But now it's in our hearts, and our hearts are sprinkled in this chapter, so our hearts are the Ark of the Covenant. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. Remission is the same word as forgiveness. Aphesis. A-P-H-E-S-I-S. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus instead of a goat. By a new and living hodos. The way is a living way. That's because we're we're in that narrow way. We've entered the straight gate. We've entered the straight gate. We're in this narrow way. And that's the way in the Holy of Holies. This is very figurative language. The way into the holiest, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, not by the blood of a goat anymore, by a new and living hodos, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. So the veil now is the flesh of Christ, and his flesh is the church. 
The flesh is the bread, the bread is the body, and the body is the church. So this is the veil. Now that's the church. And the way into that is the narrow way. That's very figurative. You can't see that unless you think in figurative language. And having a high priest over the house of God, this was called God's house. This was the house, and he dwelt between the cherubim. That's a word in the Hebrew that means to marry or build a house. House. And the Bible says in the New Testament, Hebrews 3 and 6, Christ is the son of his own house. Whose house are we? We are this house. Our hearts are the Ark of the Covenant. And then he says on down here that our hearts are sprinkled instead of the literal Ark of the Covenant. That guy, Ron White, he died, but he was said he's looking for the Ark of the Covenant. It's our hearts. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled, just like the Ark of the Covenant was, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Pure water was living water. And Jesus said that pure water came from deep wells, they thought, But he said, I'm not talking about this well of Jacob. She said, you don't have anything to draw with. He said, I'm not talking about these living waters rushing under the, under the core of the earth. He said, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. So that's the way. All these things are connected together. That's the way. That's the living way we enter into. And he said, it's a new and living Hodos. And then he says in James 1 and 8. Do, do I have any time? 19. Oh, okay. James 1. I'm giving you the majority of times this is mentioned in the Bible, in the New Testament. But even the unbelievers called it that way. It was at a sarcastic tone to it. James 1 and verse 8. 1 and verse 8. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his hodos. He is a double-minded man has entered into the broad way. You can be double-minded and keep wandering back into the Broadway as a believer. God's not going to let you stay in it, not at all. And look at Second Peter 2. This will tell you what the way actually is. Second Peter, the second chapter. Second Peter 2. And 21, I believe it is. 2 Peter 2. This is talking about believers and unbelievers. These men that have, these men that are, 
their natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. The word made means born. It's the word gunea. And these are these men despise government. They're presumptuous. They have their spots on the love feast, blemishes, sporting themselves with us while they deceive. That's why they feast with us. They have eyes full of adultery. They cannot cease from sin. These are, these are, uh, clouds without water, wells without water, clouds that are carried about with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. It's talking about these people. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. It didn't take it didn't take a place in their heart. They just didn't care. And it'd be better if they'd never known the way of righteousness than after they had known it. Than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. This is talking about people that come and feast with us. They knew about the way, but they did not. It didn't get it take root in their heart. And then he says here in verse 15. In verse 15. I believe it is verse 15. Yeah. Having I, no, wait a minute. Which have forsaken the right way and have gone astray following the way of Balaam. They've been deceived. It, Christians can be deceived. But there are two men here. One is they're vessels of wrath that are fitted to destruction, natural boot beast, making and taken to be destroyed. And you can find the same thing in Jude. Jude is one chapter. Jude 11, talking about the same man. Jude 11. Woe to these brute beasts from verse 10. For they have gone the way of Cain and ran greedily after the error of Balaam. They've gone the way, the hodos of Cain. For reward and perished and the gainsaying of Korah. And look at Revelation 15 and 3. I've given you most of this way. 15 and 3. <clears throat> talking about these seven angels that have the seven plagues and I saw it was a sea of glass mingled with fire that's the bra- that's the brazen sea and to them that had gotten victory over the beast the world, the world beast system even his image and over his mark and over the number of his name and stand on the sea of glass. We've studied that. We know what that is. Having harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works. Lord God Almighty, just and true are thy ways. Are your dose, thou King of saints. His ways are just in the narrow way because it it chastises us and causes us to walk rightly after years of tribulation and persecution. 
And then he says here in 16 and 12, 16 and 12, he's talking about these different angels pouring out their vials upon the earth. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water was there dried up, and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. I'm going to go through that when I finish up my teaching on on uh, Jeremiah. I got to do Jeremiah the fifty fiftieth, fifty first chapters, particularly fifty second chapter. All right. Do I have any time, Mike? Twelve. Twelve minutes. Let me give you some of the when the Bible says we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. I'm getting hoarse. I mean, <clears throat> this pollen has really hit me real hard. Let me erase this. I wanted you to see. I'm not through with the straight gate. I'm going to go through all the times the Bible speaks of we go through distresses. We're supposed to be distressed. That's a form of the word straight. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way. The word distress, every time you find it, it's either steno, chorea, steno. It's T-E-N-O. C-H-O-R-E-A. Korea, or when you look it up, it's Korea. That means an expanse. (coughs) An expanse of land where you go through the stenos which is the word straight and where you have the stenazo s-t-e-n-a-z-o the groaning and you can't even utter you can't even speak how you feel about the groaning when you're groaning you're, you're going man oh man I'm, I don't even know how to express how I feel about my my mother not hearing me or my brother and sister. I don't know how to express it. It's a groaning inside of me. I, I don't want it to be that way, but it's what God wants. See, God's going to go against our flesh until we learn to accept the fact of what He's doing. This word, I, I'll just give you some of this. He's talking about, you've got the word stenokoreomai, S-T-E-N-O, S-T-E-N-O. Sometimes it'll be spelled with a K, K-O-R-E-O-M-A-I. Stenokoreomai comes from stenos and koreo, which means the land of suffering. That's what it means. It has the same idea of this right here. The land of suffering. That's when the Israelites were going through the wilderness 
headed for the promised land. And all through the Bible, the Bible is equating the wilderness, what we're going through. The wilderness is, it's this, well, it's right here. I'll get it right here. It's this Sinai Peninsula. They came out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, came down to Sinai, and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of their rebellion. So God says, I'm going to purify it. I'm going to kill off all the people from 20 years old and over because it was the, that's military age and the military wouldn't go in and conquer these land of Anak, which is what we call the Gaza Strip. They wouldn't go in and conquer them. So they were in there 40 days. So I told them, I'm going to give you 40 years and wilderness, a year for every day. You would not say, we'll go conquer those land of Anak. And he put them. And everything we go through in this life is a picture of them going through the wilderness. They were groaning and aching and moaning all the time. So God had to get rid of rebellion in the wilderness. And when we have, we have the outer man, he lives in the wilderness. The inner man is Christ. He's telling the outer man he's got to die to that wilderness in order to enter into God's rest. He's got to die. The outer man lives in the wilderness. That's what the world is. There's nothing that lasts in this world. The inner man is the one that says, says, come unto me all that ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. I'll take you through this wilderness. There's no way, there is no way to go to heaven without a entering in to the straight gate and the narrow way. Nobody's going without that. That's what the Bible teaches. That is believing God. You don't say, I believe in Jesus by saying, I believe he exists and walked around upon the earth. That's not believing God. You believe all his commandments. When he says, humble yourself under the hand of God, that's a command. When he says, strive to enter into the straight gate, there's another place the straight gate is. Strive is the word agonizomai. And everywhere that's used, you're in the straight gate, A-G-O-N-I-Z-O-M-A-I. Agonizomai is our word agonize. And it is... I can't even spell what I'm talking. It's our word agonize. A-G-O-N-I-Z-E. And the agon was the arena where they wrestled and they fought and they would fight and they'd be turned into the gladiators and uh, and into the into the lions and the animals that would kill them. He said, agonize. And that's something. And people want to kill us. They want to destroy us. I have people email me that it's amazing the things they say to me and about me. I laugh at most of them because I've never met that guy that they're talking about. I'm not some evil, godless guy that twitches his Hannibal mustache and goes, ha, ha, 
I'll get you, my pretty. I'm not that. I don't... I believe the Bible. I believe in the definitions of the Bible. I've got a library in my home. I never stop researching. I, when I tell people I study, I don't mean I study two or three hours a week. I stay in a study mode at all times. I'm always reading something out of books, out of encyclopedias, out of the mechanic and stronger, the Hastings, just constantly learning. I tell my grandsons, Learn everything you can about everything. The man that knows the most about subjects is the guy that everybody wants to hire. And he's the last person that anybody wants to fire. I've told people this. I started studying. I started studying 66, going on 67 years ago when I was 17. And... I've studied all my life. I've read Bible. I mean, 25, 30, 35 hours a week. I've never stopped studying. I've learned a lot, but I haven't learned a lot compared to what's here. I mean, I don't think any professor in the world knows much about the Bible. Because there's so many facts here, so much things that click together and I told my grandson Christopher he's 15 he's going on a special trip his math teacher is recommending him because he's an A student in his algebra classes and I told him I said to learn everything you can learn because the reason we get letters from all over the world is because I'm saying things that's information that I've learned. And I said, the only reason I'm in demand for with all these people that want our DVDs is because I've learned. And I didn't go to some seminary to learn. I just dug and dug and dug in the Bible and, and all kinds of other books. And that's the only reason that we can pay a $12,000 a month TV bill that's the only reason we've got a big, we got five full-time workers and we can pay the payroll. We've got, we've got, it takes about $45,000 a month to break even. The only reason we can do that is because I have learned and learned and learned and people write to us and say, I never heard anything like this, this information you put out. I put more Greek words on the board tonight than most preachers will put in 25 years. I put probably 35 or 40 or more on the board tonight. If you learn, I am the greatest proponent, whatever that means, I'm for it. I'm the greatest proponent of education that you'll find because I've educated myself in the Bible. I know a lot about it compared to preachers, but I don't know a lot as compared to what there is to learn because there's so much more. I learn constantly. I I hope that I've imparted to people to learn. You don't know how to talk to people out in public? Learn four Greek words and use them. They won't have any idea what you're talking about. 
tell them what prayer means. It means to prosukamai comes from pros, which means toward. It's our word pro. And you came in to will. Tell them it means to will oneself towards the will of another. And then turn around and tell them, didn't Jesus say we're to pray, thy will be done? Do you know every time I've told somebody like that, they'll say, yeah, that's what it says. Give them something simple like that, and they won't know what to do with it. Say, now, you can't go praying for a job from now on. You can't pray for self, for stuff. You bow to God's will. Well, I'm really through tonight. I'm getting hoarse. I'm having a hard time talking. I'm going to go ahead. Didn't we have any time, Mike? One minute. I'll go ahead and pray. And I'm going to stay on this subject of the straight and narrow way because there's so many subjects that's linked to it. Nearly everything we talk about, the agonizing, the learning, predestination, it's all about the straight and narrow way. Lord, thank you for truth. Thank you for your word. We pray that you'll cause us to continue this work and strengthen the flock fight our battles and cause the people to continue this work and be willing to do it. And we'll give you praise in Christ's name. Amen.